From Content360, this is the state of client acquisition. Okie doke, we are live. Really happy to be doing this again. I hope you can see the screen well. If not, please let me know in the comments. Hello, everybody on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube who are watching this. Really excited to talk you through my process of breaking down life goals into quarterly goals, weekly, and daily execution. This is something that is an inherent part of what I do at the Alpha Lead Academy, which is my training program that helps people get to win new clients for their high ticket business. And I work with agency owners, consultants, coaches, and the like, small B2B companies, and we help them to generate more business for themselves. And one of the main obstacles is not in the in the most sophisticated areas. It's in the simple setting of goals and executing on them. So I'm going to be walking you through my methodology that I've in parts have been working on for quite a long time, but only recently is kind of all coming together. And it's really fun. Once you get the hang of it, you then can see how your goal setting impacts actual execution. And that tends to be quite exciting when you when you see how the theory is actually being translated into practice. So if you are listening this on listening to this purely on audio, it this time around, I always try to get my podcasts to be uh, as video independent as possible. But in this case, there will be added value in you actually watching the video because I'm showing quite a few tools that you can simply replicate for yourself that will help you connect your life goals to the quarterly and weekly goals and help with daily execution. So I recommend that you look into this. All right, without further ado, let's get right into it. Let me see. So quickly, why are we doing this? Well, simple, it's, it's better to have a plan than to not, not have a plan, as simple as that. And I believe that a good strategy executed well is far better than a brilliant strategy executed poorly. There's a lot of talk in the online marketing space that you need to stand out, you need to be one of a kind. And while that's absolutely true, and if you actually manage to do that, I really encourage you to study it and to make it happen if you can. But honestly, if you simply offer a good service, execute well, and are good to your clients and deliver good customer support while you're doing it, you'll be successful as a business owner, right? And if you just do that end to end and you execute well, you react to market changes, you adapt to them, you're going to be fine, right? You may not get, you may not become a multimillionaire with it, but you're going to be fine. So that's part of the kind of the narrative. And I'm not definitely not knocking the idea of trying to stand out, but I think everything comes sequentially. How about you just build a business that is, solid that has good strategy where you set goals you execute on your input goals if you do that you're going to be fine second point i believe that you don't need to have a breakthrough genius idea to succeed just great execution is enough and then we have to plan on three levels each come with their specific challenges there's life planning there's mid-term planning and there's then short-term planning which is weekly and daily and i don't like yearly planning i've been influenced by the book 12 week year I'm going to get into that on the next slide. But the biggest problems that we are facing when we are trying to connect our long-term life goals with our short-term, mid-term goals are the following. First of all, we need to identify what are the inputs that drive the outcome. So we need to look at the past, or if we don't have past data to go on, 
we need to hypothesize about what are most likely the inputs that will get us the results. Then we have to set input goals, organize our day so that we manage to execute on our input goals and track if these input goals have indeed driven the outcome and connect life goals with the midterm and short-term goals. Those are the biggest challenges that we are facing and we want to make sure that we cover them in the next couple of slides in this presentation. Okay, quickly, why are we not looking at year goals? I've been quite influenced by this book, The 12-Week Year by Brian P. Moran and uh, Michael Lannington. Its main thesis, its main thrust is that yearly planning tends to lead to short-term complacency. Simply put, if you on January 1st set goals that you want to achieve by December 31st, the first few weeks you will be complacent. It's just unavoidable because the year is so vast, there's 52 weeks ahead of you, you easily think that you can skip and not be particularly disciplined with your work in the first couple of weeks, even months. And with a 12-week year, you cannot afford even one bad week. So, of course, it's a tongue-in-cheek uh, thing, but you should simply consider a year to be 12 weeks long. And the authors argue that you can get as much done in 12 weeks than others do in 12 months if you follow their recipes. I really recommend the book. It's a great reading. It's not for the, for the faint-hearted because it really requires you to work very hard, but ultimately this is what's going to get you the results. Okay, so let us look at life goals. I'm simply going to go through my personal life goals. Of course, they are primarily related to uh, financials now. Of course, I have other life goals as well, but for the purposes of, because we're talking business here, for the purposes of this, let us look at what are my life goals. And you can do your own, of course. So I don't want to pin my life goal to having a certain net worth. You, that saying, okay, my life goal is to get to 10 million net worth. That usually implies that you're running away from something and are looking for a happily ever after, which is simply not a thing. I used to think like this. But the more and more I'm falling in love with my work, which, which definitely is the case, I just don't feel like I need to run away from anything. So I don't want to work towards a, like a specific number in my bank account or a, or a net worth figure. But I would like to put a number to what I aspire to so that on a regular recurring basis, we have a good life. And the lifestyle that we want for, that I want for my family that would be served with an average net monthly income of 20,000 euros. Now, of course, for some of you, this may sound like quite a lot. Oh my God, why do you need 20,000 euros? I don't care. I just want that. That would be really nice uh, because it would mean several benefits. So, for example, life expenses with we uh, want to have three kids, God willing. So life expenses would be, let's say, 10,000 euros, uh, 4K mortgage. We want a nice house insurance, other fixed costs, the 3K consumables, and so on. So just 10K life expenses. We would save, invest, uh, retire, uh, 7,000 a month, and then, you know, incidentals, fun, play, holiday, and so on, 3,000. So working backwards, to make 20,000 euros a month, we need to make 50,000 euros a month in revenue. That would imply that we have some 10,000 in cost, which would be, let's say, one employee, software, client acquisition cost, and uh, on the rest, there would be 50% in taxes, right? So that would suggest that I have an 80% margin, which, of course, in my business is perfectly possible. And then 50% of taxes would go on the remaining 40K. So the goal is getting to consistent 50K euro months, which is 600,000 euro revenue per year. Okay, that's the goal. And that's currently the gap. I'm on 11.5K a month, and the goal is to get to 
50K a month. So that's what we're working towards. Now, that's really interesting. Let's identify the inputs that drove the outcome so far. So in 2021, I got 26 clients so far. And here are the key factors that made them buy. This is based on what I remember, how they came in, because I always tend to kind of observe and monitor what people tell me or what I simply know that they came over to me, right? So somebody says, hey, I really like that piece of content you recently put out, or I've been on your email list for six months and now you finally finally wore me down, right? So I know what people makes, uh, what makes them buy. And 11 of those 26 clients were pure inbound. So the content made them uh, made them come to me. Maybe there was a little bit of nudging, right? So they engaged on some of my content and then we talked a bit of back and forth and that was 11 uh, people like this. Then there's cold outbound manual. There were six people who came in via me starting conversations with strangers and uh, three of which were via somebody who I, I was experimenting with this. Uh, this was a so-called setter, somebody who just logs in as me and starts conversation on my behalf and um, then people uh, schedule calls. And from then I took a takeover, which I did and not doing anymore. And then there's called outbound automated. As there were seven clients came via this method, three via LinkedIn and four via cold email. And lukewarm outbound, it's a little bit on the edge between inbound who need a bit of nudging. So two people came, I call it lukewarm outbound. So that's the reason why people came to me. Also, what considerably improved conversion rates was funnel optimization. So you may not know this. Uh, I don't uh, advertise it on my website, but I have these call prep videos between calls. If I have a 15-minute call first and then I invite people on a long call, in between those calls, I ask them to watch a video. And in that video, I'm telling them a lot about my uh, methodology, about what they can expect when working with me. And that, of course, makes... A quite a difference because also in that video I'm communicating, hey, I would expect that you make a decision on the call. This is not just an informative call. Like I'm going to tell you what I do. And then if we are a fit, tell me yes or no, if you want to do that. And if yes, then of course, there's going to be cost associated to that. So just so that sometimes people tend to be almost surprised, uh, you know, it doesn't happen very often. I just don't want to spend the time talking to someone who will then tell me, oh yeah, well, I need to I need to think about it or or who appears even discombobulated at the idea that they would need to pay for my services. So this is what the purpose of these call prep videos is. And then there's email drips for specific situations. So this is something I'm, I'm really going to be focusing on in the next couple of weeks, which has served me very well. For example, somebody genuinely says, okay, wow, that uh, sounds great, quite an investment. I need to think about it. Uh, then I say, great, let's connect next week. We schedule a quick call. And then I send them an email drip, further reinforcing added features, client testimonials. That works really, really nicely. I have a very good success rate on that. So the conclusion, the key input factors were, yeah, and since I started doing these uh, funnel optimization measures, conversion rates have significantly improved for me. So my conclusion from this is the key input factors were content and funnel optimization. I call them nudges. Those have considerably improved my conversion rates. Um, and so this is what I would like to focus on in the near and midterm. What about cold outbound? Because there was, after all, 13 clients who came in from cold outbound, six from manual, seven from automated. It's just manual takes a lot of time. 
and so I'm not going to be doing this on LinkedIn anymore. And then working with a setter, that takes effort to train and monitor. And with that, I'm not building an asset when I train somebody to prospect for me. Marginally only, it's a little bit of an asset. Like I can then take all the training materials and hand it to somebody else, but it's just not great. Plus the margins are not very good on that. So I'd rather not do that anymore. I will continue doing it on LinkedIn until I hit three times 20K months in a row with content alone. And then I will consider discontinuing email because after all, cold email, it's not great, right? It's not a, it's not an amazing experience. And ideally, I'd want to get to a point where purely content drives all of my uh, revenue needs. And that's, I'm not there yet at this point. Cool. So there's also a couple of further inputs. So we decided here, content and final optimization are the things that I'm going to be focusing on. There's a couple of further inputs that will drive outcomes. I don't know if you've seen or listened to my strategy live that I did last week, which was all about how can, or two weeks ago, I don't remember, uh, which was all about how like me setting my strategy for growing my business. There's a couple of things that I also want to work on. Number one is accountability systems inside the program so that more clients get results so that they then drive re renewals, successful case studies and referrals. So there's always something that can be improved. And I want to understand what clients experience is and iron out the wrinkles, especially during onboarding. I also want to understand client behaviors when they don't do the work. I want to know what intimidates them because after all the, the methodologies that I teach can sometimes be a bit daunting, right? After all, you, I'm very often taking people who have never sold anything proactively and I make them do prospecting with strangers, which thankfully I don't have to do anymore given my numbers. I don't have to do that manually. I can do it via email purely, but many novices, you need to go through the phase where you do cold outbound. And that is, that can be intimidating to some people. So I want to really understand deeply at a deep level, what are their thoughts when they don't do the work and what I can do to change that? Because after all, I want all of my clients to get results. And if you sh stop short of doing outbound and purely rely on content, it's not going to fly. So I want to tease out the preventable, overcomable reasons from those who I really cannot influence. The next input area that I want to work on is community as identified in my strategy se session recently. Not having a community is a weakness. It means a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group and uh, combined with a regular podcast with Q&A audiences, that would be ideal. At the same time, I want to avoid the kind of typical helpful posturing in a Facebook group where I just, it's some people do these kind of Facebook groups where they effectively just have them as communities where they can sell. I don't want to have a community to sell. I want a community that can genuinely help people. And of course, if somebody comes out of that who will want to work with me, perfect, but I don't require that. It would be enough to just have people there who love what I do and word of mouth will spread. So that's the community side of things. And then the offer needs to push people's hot buttons. I recently talked to a strategist who kind of raised his thoughts in me, which made me think that right now I'm mainly intellectually compelling, but maybe not emotionally. What can I do so that my offer connects with people's hot buttons, so to speak? And then there's the 
option of partnerships and referral. This is also a recent idea. I'm not going to pursue it in Q4, but I'm going to keep it on the back burner. The idea would be to get, for example, lead generation agencies to refer clients to me who want to build skills in-house. So uh, legion agencies, of course, take clients' needs and then they do legion on their behalf. If they find a client who wants to develop these skills in-house, they could refer these clients to me. Cool. So summary, what are the key inputs that I want to be pushing? Content, which is understanding the audience, quality. I want to uh, improve production, copy, speaking, quantity and distribution, funnel optimization, the nudges, accountability systems to drive success stories, renewals and referrals, community, emotionally compelling often partnerships, referrals. The short-term focus here will be in Q4 and Q1 on these top three items. I personally believe that out of all of those, I need to focus. I cannot pursue all of them. And these three will be the ones to work on. They offer, content really offers an amazing scalability. One of these areas presents a huge challenge and that is content. And that is of course, because it's getting more and more competitive. The answer, and as you yourself know, the numbers on LinkedIn are going down in terms of view figures and engagement. So what can we do about this? I think the only answer here is the opportunity is still there. It really is. All what we need to do is dramatically improve quality. That's the number one thing, which means better customer insights, which means we need to, I need to speak to more prospective clients about their challenges and obstacles for working with me. I've been having three conversations recently which were extremely insightful where I spoke to people who already know me there, for example, on my email list. And I asked them questions about what are the challenges in their business, where I kind of take notes of what these are and where they are wrong, for example, so that I can educate them and change their minds. And on the other hand, they know what I do. Why have they not yet thought about working with me? Right. And so the insights that I get there are very interesting. Cool. So then uh, in terms of quality as well, so the first one was improve customer insights. The next one would be improve output quality. So higher production values. Maybe there's ways how I can buy some more equipment to make my videos more snazzy. Better speaking. I can always improve. Better copywriting as well. There's always ways to get better at this. And uh, improve distribution. That's the final one on the quality side of things. So customer insight number one improve output quality number two, and then improve the distribution. Learn best practices for optimal distribution. Maybe there's some things that I'm missing, maybe some hacks that I'm not aware of. And then also consider looking into spending money on bringing more people into what I call the pot, which is my content environment where they will be uh, yeah, informed, educated, entertained by my content, this whole content ecosystem that I'm building Maybe there are ways how I can spend in order to bring more people into it because it's reliably a great source of clients for me. So that was the first one, dramatically improve quality, which consists of number one, customer insight, improve quality of the output and improve the distribution. Now let's look at quantity. I need to study best practices for optimizing my processes to produce and distribute more efficiently, more and more efficiently. And also maybe spend on a content manager, video editor, maybe hire somebody for 10 hours a week who could do some of these things for me. So those are the challenges and content that we need to, to be working on. Okay, so now what, we've, what have we done? We've identified what are our life goals. We've looked at where we are now financially in, the, in, in, in this context and what were the inputs, the things that I did that drove my results. I've also identified what were the 
areas where the biggest levers are hidden, which is content and optimizing the funnel. So we see that in the short to midterm, these will be the activities that I want to focus on. Okay, so that's our summary of where we've gone so far. Now let's look at a weekly level because that's kind of the main unit of work. We usually like take a rest at the end of the week. We evaluate what we've done. So it's good to look as, uh, as a key unit the week. So let's look at what are the fixed costs for a week. What, what's my time budget in a given week? I work quite a bit. And so I uh, would say that I probably work some 55 hours, which does not include admin. So overall, maybe 60 hours, 55 after admin. And I work six hours, uh, six days a week. The fixed cost of a week, the things I always have to do tends to be around 36 hours. I counted that up. So first of all, client work is an average of eight hours of client work that I do. Content tends to be around 20 hours. That includes daily content that I post on LinkedIn and Facebook, which is around five hours. Twice weekly emails, which takes about two hours. The doing these kind of lives or podcast recordings, that's there's preparation and execution on it. It's five hours and uh, comments and adding new people. I just plucked that in there uh, for simplicity. So that is, I count that as overall content and it's about 20 hours a week. Then there's sales calls, let's say five hours on average and uh, cold email managing that, you know, doing A-B tests uh, and uploading new contacts and so on. So the, that those are the 36 hours that I simply do on a weekly basis. So what's left if 55 hours is my budget is 19 hours, 19 hours for growth projects. Good, so now let's look at a quarterly level. This is what Q4 looks like very easily from the 4th of October, which is week 40, until the 20th and 27th December. I'm lumping weeks 51 and 52 into one, probably around the 20th December, of course, as Christmas. I would say that I probably can squeeze out one week's of work in these two weeks. So that's Q4. And which means we have 12 weeks in this quarter. We have 19 hours for projects per week, which means 228 hours in Q4. And again, let's recap. Those are the areas we want to work on. Better and more content, accountability systems to better serve clients, funnel optimization, and then there's Another thing that I want to do, which is update the client learning portal. I have a, like a content portal where I have all of my, yeah, essentially all the materials that clients are learning from. There's a few of them that need to be updated. So I want to be doing that. Okay. So now let us look at out of those three areas, I've identified those kind of sub projects in each area that are the most likely to bring results. In terms of, let's look at content. There, I added them up. I did it I did it bottom up. And there, it's a total of 92 hours. Remember, we have 228 hours in this quarter to spend on these kind of projects. First of all, understanding the audience. We said that we need to understand our audience better because we want to improve in content generally. So what I will do is I'll talk to one ICP every week. ICP is uh, ideal client profile. Um, 12, which means in 12 weeks, that's going to be one hour preparation and afterwards processing and then one hour of conversation. So that's 24 hours, 12 weeks, 24 hours. Then improving the quality of the content. Remember, you kind of see the kind of structure that I said before. In content, we need to understand the audience, improve quality and improve quantity. 
plan content a week in advance. There's, there's no extra time needed, but this is a habit that I need to get into. Then in order to become a better speaker, I'm going to enroll in Toastmasters and give it two hours a week to improve in this area. I'm also going to, in order to improve on copywriting, I'm going to read one book on copywriting per month. I'm also going to look at studying distribution best practices, which means research how to better distribute uh, content. And then quantity, research how to optimize processes and design them so that I can push out more content and be more efficient. And that adds up those 24, 24, 24, 10, 10, that adds up to 92 hours. That is what I will then spread out over the quarterly plan. Then there's the whole area of funnel optimization, all those nudges that I spoke about. There, I'm going to be doing ongoing work throughout Q4. I don't want to focus this on a couple of weeks when I'm going to be doing this, but it's much better to do this reactively. Just to give you an idea, for example, recently I spoke to a lady who um, is, she wanted to work with me, but she is still a little bit caught in a, like an employee mindset. She's not fully bought into her project. She's kind of just dabbling with the idea of being a full-time entrepreneur. So to her, I want to create maybe a short series, one or two, three maybe emails that kind of empathize with her where she is. Yes, it's really hard. And these are the things that you can do to help get yourself over the edge because I know she wants it. So somebody who is talking to me who I can help in this way. And of course, if you help somebody, then of course, they will be emotionally invested. They're more likely to then work with you. That was a great event that happened yesterday where I'm thinking, okay, this would require a bit of like an email drip campaign. And I would like to do that reactively when these kind of things happen, because they are based on not hypotheticals, but on real people. Just to give you an idea, one of my clients in August came in after I created the, I need to think about it, email drip specifically for him. So he was somebody who wanted to enroll and I, but he then told me on the sales call, he told me, I need to think about it. So what did I do? I created this five time, five email drip where I um, gave him additional reasons why he should join. And then he joined, right? It could quite likely be that the emails had something to do with that. And that was reactively. And now I'm using these five emails for other prospects, other people who also tell me I need to think about it. And indeed, there were, I believe, two clients who were in the same camp and they then joined. So already this email drip has contributed to three clients signing up with me. Cool. So that's that. There's going to be about five hours a week, 60 hours on that. Then I want to work on these accountability systems so that I drive more success stories and more renewals and referrals from my existing client base. And that means I will interview five clients who haven't done the work uh, because that happens, right? Some people enroll, they are gung-ho in the beginning, and then suddenly they just stop appearing. And I ask them what's going on. Is oh, you're busy and so on. So you just don't do the work. I want to understand why. I really want to understand deeply why and process the learnings. Of course, I always did. I asked them on um, on, on chat, for example, why, but then I didn't do these kind of long in-depth interviews. So I'm going to do that part. Then I'm going to implement the necessary changes from the above and the implemented in the onboarding process. And that's a total of 30 hours. So 30 hours in Q4. And then the learning portal update, I expect this to take some 45 hours. And that means 
the total is 92 plus 60 plus 30 plus 45, which is 227, which is damn close to the 228 hours available that we identified at the budget discussion at the beginning. So this is now how we've, I said, this is the amount of time I have available per week, amounts to 228. Now we've done the bottom-up calculation in these areas that I believe will drive the biggest impact, content, funnel optimization, and accountability systems. And learning portal update simply needs to be done. It's a regular thing. So all of that will quite likely accelerate revenue, revenue growth. Cool. Now let's look back on the breakdown of the quarter. You saw these 12 boxes, the 12 weeks. This is how it breaks down. The content, the, the green bit is I'm going to talk to one ICP every week. I'm going to have the Toastmasters thing, and I'm going to read one book on copywriting a month. That's six hours a week. That is now in the plan. Then there's a funnel optimization website, incidental funnel pieces, five hours a week, and the learning portal update in the first six weeks, eight hours a week. And then you can see on week 46, 15 November, Accountability systems take over. I'm not going to do the learning portal update anymore. We go into accountability systems. I'm going to interview these five clients who haven't done the work. Then I'm going to implement these changes in the last four weeks of the year. And this is how I have now allocated these high priority strategic tasks into an effective quarter so that then I can uh, on a week-by-week -week basis, see, okay, what are now my priorities for this coming week? I'm going to go back to this particular document, look at it, and then plan out my week. But we cannot stop here. And this is, if people do this, sometimes they stop here. We need to really drive it into an actionable weekly and daily level. And this is what we're going to do now. Let's break it down to the week level. Now there's going to be a little bit of this specifically will be really useful if you are watching the video. I recommend that you do that. It's definitely on going to be at least on YouTube. You can also watch the LinkedIn and Facebook Live replays. But this is now how we're going to do it. I'm just going to show you just on an example for a, a, a day in a week. So let's look at, for example, this one. So let's look at 4th October. This is the next week. I have talked to one ICP every week, Toastmasters, and read one book a month. So those are the projects. And I'm going to implement it now in this spreadsheet. It looks a little bit intimidating, but it's going to become clear pretty soon. So let's look at what are the activities. First, I have these activities that need to be done every week, the 36 hours of sort of fixed cost. There's client work, which is an average of eight hours a week. So let's allocate that. Let's put here client work. We have likely duration. That's going to be eight. And then wait, let's... Whoops, let's center this so that it's clearer. Then on Monday, I usually have, yes, I have one, uh, one and a half hour call with clients. On Tuesday, I have, I have another one. And then let's say that on Wednesday, there's going to be two one-on-one -on -one calls. Currently, I don't have anything scheduled, but there could be. Thursday, I have a one and a half hour call. And here you can see towards the end, it's all adding up. And on Friday, there's another call. 6.5. Currently, I don't have any more. So I think we could do with 6.5 here. It's not going to be eight hours, which means that we have more time for our projects. So that was client work, average eight hours. Content, normally I would just break this out. Now let's actually, let's break it out. We still have time. Daily content, six times 45 minutes. So let's do daily content. And that is 
0.75 on every day. Let's just do that. 0.75, 75, and so on. That gets us to 4.5. What's next? Uh, twice weekly emails. Let's do emails and let's do them on Monday and Wednesday because they go out on Tuesday and Thursday. That's when they go out. Then live podcast prep and execution next week. Do I have a, yes, I already have a um, podcast planned. Podcast is going to be another live with somebody where we will be talking about live streaming. And so that's going to be, I'm going to have to do some preparation. So let's do two here, one here, 1.5 here, and then 1.5 post work. So that's six hours. And emails, we said two hours. See how it's here adding up? It's adding up to 19. And then comments and adding new people. That is comments, adding new people. That is eight hours. Let's make it 1.5 every day. Six, seven and a half. Let's make 0.5 here. So it rounds up to eight. And then we have comments and adding new people. Sales calls, five hours. Currently, I have calls planned on, they are already in the calendar, so let's say five hours. I have one on Monday, I believe one on Wednesday, I think one on Thursday as well, Friday, not sure, not sure. Let's, let's keep it there, maybe it's just going to be three. I think at this point I only have that. I'm going to go into details on my calendar but that will be that and then cold email upkeep this is a daily activity cold email upkeep let's make it three and then we have 0.5 on every day that i work i don't work on saturdays so it's only going to be like this and that's three so now we've done that and those are the fixed costs as you see normally it's 36 this the coming week is a little bit less Sometimes there's more one-on-one -on -one calls with clients. Plus, also, I need to account for that. This could become a more when, for example, somebody on Monday schedules a call with me on Thursday. I then cannot update it anymore. It's just that's fine that these kind of things happen. So that is now the, the weekly planner for the this is the fixed cost. And now we have these 19 hours that we can spend on our growth project. So we said content, talk to one ICP every week. That's going to be two hours i believe we said that right yeah that's two hours every week so we say interview one icp let's say we're gonna for half an hour prep we're gonna have to send an email identify somebody then let's say we're gonna do it on tuesday that's where it's going to happen and then there's going to be post post work on that it's going to be one and a half hours in total which gives us two hours and here we can say, this is fixed cost, so to speak. These are the fixed cost items that have to be done every week. And then interview one ICP is content. And as you can see here already, I have the sanity check. Uh, I hope you can see this here at the bottom. It sums up all, if you cannot see, just drop something in the comments. 
here at the bottom, it sums up the hours so that not accidentally I overload a day where I just say, okay, I'm, that day I'm going to be working 14 hours, right? I need to be realistic in these things so that every day I have maximum, whatever, whatever it is, like nine or 10 hours of work. Cool. So we said interview one ICP. Then we enroll in Toastmasters. Toastmasters content. Let's say this is also two hours. Let's say Monday is already overloaded. There's not much going on on Friday. I could actually pack all of that into Friday, but let's do it a little bit earlier. Let's just do one hour of research on it, just joining and seeing what it's going to look like, and then one hour on Friday. Let's just assume that. You know, These things don't always work out perfectly, but that's just, let's make this assumption. Read one book on copywriting. That's a great idea. So copywriting, book, content, it's going to be two hours. Let's put that. That's a great activity for a Sunday. So let's pack it all into the Sunday. There's not a huge amount of businesses happening on Sunday. Cool. So where are we here? We've done this. Then research how to better distribute. Do we have this here in content? Uh, we have this? No, but we will do this at a later stage. These two areas are not yet fully... Baked in. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this at a later stage in the in the quarter. So here we're gonna go for funnel optimization. Now ongoing work through. I'm not. I don't know yet exactly what that's going to be. The funnel optimization. So I'm just gonna say funnel optimization. Actually, I know what I want to do. I want to overhaul website. I think my website is a little bit now a tiny bit all over the place. I need to make it a bit better. So that is funnel opti. Let's call it that. And that's going to be five hours. When can I do this? Let's see. What do we have holes currently? We have a hole on Friday. So let's do three here. And then on Sunday, let's do two here. Yeah, it's quite good. Then we have the accountability system. No, we have to actually, we have the learning portal update, right? So let's look. We said here, funnel optimization. That's good. We have the six hours. Learning portal update. Eight hours a week for six weeks. So that's going to be the portal optimization. And that is, yeah, that's that's his own kind of portal opti. That's its own thing. And we said eight hours, right? And here we are getting to 52. So where do we have time for that? Look, all our days are like at 8.3, 7.3, 8.3, 6.8. So we have, on every day, we have something of room to breathe, but we cannot, ideally, we could do it mostly in one day or let, no, well, eight hours we cannot do on one day, given all the other stuff. But if we could focus it on three days, let's say. So on Sunday, I don't work as much. It's usually 10 hours a day here, like nine hours, nine and a half, and then, Sunday, it's a little bit less. So I want to keep it here. Let's do two here. Exactly, 7.8 is quite good. I'm going to here go with two. Maybe three. No, that's too much. Two hours here. And then three hours I can do here. And that is where we are already on seven. And we can do one on Tuesday. And boom, that's it. So we have here high level added up. What are our plans for the week? We've even allocated it to specific days. You can see here, 
And it's a pretty good plan. I mean, it's only 52 hours. We cannot be super precise about this. I know I said 55 hours, but we don't have to be incredibly detailed. It's like so, so uh, finicky about this. It's fine to just do 52 hours because other things will crop up and that things that will need to be done. And so with that now, we have a pretty good weekly plan, right? So we have now broken our really high level life goals down to the minute and hour on every day. And that's pretty good, right? So we have here, this is our week for the 4th of October. We planned out our week. And this the great thing about this is that you can, of course, always adjust. Like if, for example, I don't manage to do one of those things here, I can then shift it over into the next week. Sure, everything will get shifted then, but that's just life, right? But with this, you really have a much better chance of executing on your high-level strategic plans than if you don't have something like this. Okay, so now we did this, and now comes the final piece. This is where the rubber hits the road, which is we now have to translate it into the day level. So I'm only going to do that with one day, of course. I'm going to plan out my Monday. Here you can see my daily, my time block planner. And uh, frankly, I'm not going to go so much into depth here, but I think it's pretty clear now. Look, this is my time allocation for Monday. So I do one hour of client work, 75 of, on daily content, one on emails and so on. So all of that is here. I'm simply going to carry these hours into the time block planner and going to fill it out here. And this is then what it's actually going to look like. This is my time block planner that I did for today. I can probably see it well, but... It's, I print this out. I print out the time block planner. I even print out this part where I simply copy over the weekly goals. These are now the weekly goals for this week. But you would then fill it out um, and just paste in the weekly goals you have for the current week. And then you have the daily time block planner. You print it all out. You have it next to yourself. You know exactly what you're going to do. And then as you go, you tick off every half hour slot that you have executed well. And you can, for added pressure in a good way, you can then count up all those half hour slots that you did not execute on what you said you would do and do 10 push-ups, right? Or whatever is your choice of punishment that is ultimately good for you. And this is it. This is how you get the high-level strategic goals down to a daily execution plan. So let's recap what we have done. We have identified the input that drove my past outcomes. We've connected our life goals to quarterly goals, weekly goals, and daily execution. And we created an accountability system that allows us to track whether we are on the mark or not. I think that's a pretty well-spent 43 minutes, as I can see that we've been going. Okie doke. If there's any questions, drop them in the comment box now. And if not, I look forward to hearing from you. If this was useful, let me know if anything is unclear. I know it was quite a lot that I gave you the fire hose of information here. But if there's anything that is unclear, just drop me a line on LinkedIn or wherever you find me online. Thank you very much. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grand. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com. I'll talk to you in the next episode.
Oh, yeah. 